0: goodness (laughs) good morning everyone welcome to first baptist church we are so excited to have you here today on this march morning it is a great day to praise the lord Amen? amen amen please stand with us and let's praise the lord together
1: Amen. Thank you so much for leading us in praise and worship this morning. And I want you, before you see it, I want you to do something. I want you to look around the people around you. If you see some males who are forlorn and emaciated, their wives have been at a retreat for the last three days, and they probably haven't eaten a good meal, they've probably wept themselves to sleep every single night. And uh, so take pity on them, invite them to lunch, and you know, tell them where the donuts are, take them by the hand, lead them back there. We have 24 ladies that are still at retreat today and uh, they're on they're in Pine Valley so they're having a great time uh, and if your wife is one of them she will return be nice be patient all right it will happen to those who are visiting for the first time we're certainly honored to have you if you're uh, watching by way of YouTube or Facebook uh, thank you so much for doing so and if you're here in the auditorium and we have a great crowd here this morning we appreciate you being here and uh, in a moment I'm going to have you sit down and In front of you, in the seat back, is a connection card. We'd love to have you fill out your information. And then on the back, if you have a question or a special prayer request, or if there's anything we can help you with, please go ahead and fill that out. But before you're seated, um, I got a call this morning about 730 from the sergeant, uh, the police department down here, and uh, unfortunately, a 23-year-old man, a young man, jumped from the bridge this morning. Uh, a permanent solution to a temporary set of problems, as it always is. And so there were uh, three officers impacted in the dispatcher. So I went over uh, immediately um, and was able to minister to um, these officers who I've gotten to know by riding along with them. And for those of you that don't understand, uh, officers sometimes get criticized for being flippant about things like this, about real serious things. They cope with, I'm not saying it's the right way, but they cope with things like this when they were there and saw what happened, heard what happened, experienced what, when they they cope with it with what they call dark humor sometimes. And it's not uh, the best way to deal with things, but it's a way that they do to kind of uh, insulate themselves from all of the emotions and all of the uh, ramifications later on. But one of them said, I said, you know, how are you doing? I talked to every one of them, had prayer with them. But one of them said, uh, I'm doing great now, but tonight it'll be tough. And he's an experienced officer. and He knows what he's talking about. So I want us to pray for those officers. Mm-hmm. I want us to pray for some family, probably some parents, maybe a wife, maybe a girlfriend, maybe siblings who are going to get some really bad. Maybe you've already gotten some really bad news today. Uh, so would you join with me as we bow our heads together in prayer? <clears throat> Father, we come before you this morning with a new sense of urgency of the importance of making sure of everyone's relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I don't know this young man's relationship. I don't know whether he's made a profession of faith in you or not. I have no idea. But like David, King David of old, who said, there's but a step between me and death, so there's but a step between every one of us and death. It may not be stepping off of a bridge. It may be stepping in front of a car It may be taking a step into a whole new dimension with disease, with heartache, with heartbreak, with accidents, with violence, with whatever might happen. So, God, I pray that every one of us who are in this building and everyone watching by way of the Internet might today make sure of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, make sure that we're trusting him and him alone for everlasting life. Father, we thank you for loving us We thank you for giving your son to die on the cross for our sins so that no problem can be so great as to necessitate us trying to end it all. Father, I pray that you'd help every one of us to be ambassadors for Christ with those who might be going through uh, such difficulties and that we'd get the proper help for them all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you. And please be seated. And uh, we're glad to have you all here this morning. Uh, Again, fill out the connection card. If you're a first-time guest, we're glad to have you. Maybe first time in a long time, you could fill it out as well. Let me just share the bulletin article with you. Could I do that? Uh, It's about John the Baptist and Jesus and their relationship. The Bible says in John 1, 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came to bear witness of the light, and all men through him might believe. John the Baptist, according to Christ himself, was the greatest man who ever lived. Do you realize that? John the Baptist was the greatest man up until that point, I can say for sure with with absolute authority, uh, the greatest man who ever lived. Yet he did no miracles uh, whatsoever, but he was the greatest man. And yet Jesus said as great as he was, there's a striking contrast between himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said that John was a burning and shining light, but he was not the true light, The two Greek words used depict something like a candle in John's case. He was a candle in the darkness and a brilliant light like the sun uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Similarly, John was a great voice of one crying in the wilderness, but Christ was the Word, the living Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John came for a witness, uh, bearing witness to the light and to the truth, but Jesus Christ was himself incarnate truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Some even thought John was the Messiah, but he very clearly told them, I am not. John's coming was prophesied 400 years before he was born. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. John was divinely sent messenger, but Christ was the one whose way he came to prepare. John was a man sent from God, but when Christ came, And John saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. Both were called to baptize, but there was a great difference. John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I come, on the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John was a mighty man of God, but when Christ finally came, John could only say, he must increase and I must decrease. So thank God for John. But thank God even more for his son, Jesus Christ, who made us a way into heaven. And we want everyone to know, I was watching a TV show this last week, Chris, and uh, talked about uh, someone from, uh, from Spain, from the Basque country. And I immediately thought, of, I'd never heard of the Basque people until I met you a few years ago. Uh, and so we have uh, a video that we're going to show about Susa, summer in the USA. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Do you say Susa? Yeah. Do you? Uh, Not Susa, Susa? You got this shirt? Well, shoot, I don't have one of those shirts. Okay, all right, that's what I thought. All right, good, so let's show the video and then I'll introduce uh, uh, Chris who's gonna share something about Susa and how you can be an exciting part
2: of it. Right at home. Students from the Basque Country in Spain live with Christian host families for the month of July to improve English fluency. But their lives are forever changed when they experience the love of God through the families and church community. For the month of July, families in our church make a decision to open up their homes, which I think hospitality actually was like the first century church's strategy to share the gospel. The people here are incredibly unreached. There are nations like Saudi Arabia that have more believers percentage wise right now than people in Basque Country.
3: The opportunity for vast people to know about Jesus is none. I mean, We are few Christians, that's the reality. In my
0: family, they don't speak about that, but I want to know about him. If people don't go to Basque Country, or if hosts don't take Basque Country into their home, it appears as if
3: there will be no
0: reproductive disciple-making in Basque Country. When there was the announcement about Summer in the USA and the concept of hosting a teenager for a a part of the summer, it kind of pulled at my heart.
1: She came and uh, was here for a month
0: and lived in our house and just kind of did whatever we did.
3: So hosting a Bath student was a a really cool way for us to give intention and extra meaning to our daily lives and just having this person with us where we were sharing the love of Jesus with them, showing our kids what that looked like, and then just giving that extra meaning to our entire summer. When we first heard about the opportunity, I thought, there's no way this is gonna work for our family. We're way too busy. Our house is probably not big enough. The kids are little. Like, what are we gonna do for the month of July? And I'm so glad we decided to just jump in and do it because we had the best summer and we fell in love with Isado.
0: The impact that you can have in such a short period of time is like years
3: of work, ultra condensed.
0: Trust that if God is pulling at your heart, bottom line, Follow that
3: lead, and it will work. You welcome Chris Bobasco, who works for the SUSE organization. Good morning. So, um, you know, I always wonder how to pitch this opportunity to people from every life stage and different backgrounds and, and even different church backgrounds, and I think I'm just going to pitch off what you mentioned this morning. You know, I grew up here in Coronado, and... Um, had kind of everything handed to me on a silver platter, which most Coronado kids do. And, and, and yet still one of my best friends took his life off the Coronado Bridge when, you know, I think it's 10 years ago now. And I was just with some friends this weekend um, that we grew up with, and we were, you know, reminiscing about our friend and 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 why he made that decision. And, you know, and, and if you think about the kids that you saw in this video, maybe you recognize some of them as... Teenagers from Spain. Maybe they look like American teens. Well, the reality is they're just kind of like American teens. This is a very prosperous part of Spain. The Basque region is incredibly um, like wealthy in some ways a lot of industry a lot of you know banking and stuff and so in, in a lot of ways these kids have really everything they need physically it, this is not a trip to an orphanage in Baja. This is the exact opposite. These are kids just like our kids in our community who have pain. My wife is a teacher here at, at the high school and, and she tells me practically every day the, the struggles and, and the pressures that, these, that our kids are going through. And these, these Spanish kids were really their Basque. They're not any different. They're going through hard stuff. COVID was hard on everybody. And so really what this ministry is, is an opportunity to to take out one month of your life to say, I'm going to be hospitable and love on a teen who might look on the surface like everything's okay. And yet deep down, they've got hurt, they've got pain. We all do, right? But they don't have the opportunity to go to a church or to have fellowship or to hand their burdens to Christ. I mean, that's the reality you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to take those burdens. There was a girl we heard about who is a friend of one of our students about five, six years ago, who, you know, they, 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 they study real hard during the week, but on the weekends they party, okay? And this girl was so inebriated that one, one, one weekend she was with her friends on a balcony and fell off the balcony and died. So if you just think about, the, the lostness of even youth in America, and then you just quadruple it for the youth in Europe and then for the Basques they're a unique people group they're an ancient people group they're the oldest inhabitants of Europe and and yet they still don't have a an indigenous Basque speaking uh, fellowship to be able to to take part in so these are the details, I'm gonna have um, John and Sylvia Moser who hosted uh, a student, two students last year in Coronado with us. They're an incredible family um, and they're gonna tell you what it's like to host a Bass student. So give a hand to John and Sylvia.
2: Hi there, um, so last year was our first season. Uh, the first thing I'll tell you is, uh, you know, they did the, the little pitch there, it's like the lady said, if, if God's tugging at you, Hands are up, Uh, we had all the hesitations, we're too busy, we got too much stuff on our plate, blah, 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 blah. Chris is a very persuasive guy, but at some point we just decided to kind of take it, yeah, we'll do it, you know, why not? And uh, on the connection with young people, we picked our student, we have daughters, um, and we have one who's a senior in high school this year. We picked our student because she liked taylor swift and our daughter likes taylor swift i mean that's how we picked her. but you know i don't know if we got l- the luckiest draw ever but this girl was a delight an absolute delight uh, and uh you know there's a lot of activities scheduled um during the month that that the group does and uh we go to camp every summer at forest home some of you may have been to forest home we took our student with us um, and we had an interesting kind of glitch with ours because the one thing you have to have to be able to host a student is time. You have to spend time with them. And um, our girl was uh, 17, 16, 17. Her brother was placed in Orange County with a family that was a great family, nice people, but they didn't have any time. And he was having a rough time, so we, we got him too. Uh, uh, but he, and he st- he stayed with us for a while. But then we found friends, other Christian believing friends, who would host him. But he came over to our house every day and stuff. But and they were they were stars when they went to camp. I mean, um, you know, kids from Spain with a bunch of teenagers at the Christian camp. That, they were stars. Uh, so we had a terrific time, uh, a great time, and it was really really enriching for for our family. And uh, Sylvia, did, what, what was your impression? Uh, um, yeah, I guess I'll be the <laughs> spokesman. Uh, you know, we're in town here. If you have any questions about hosting a student or what it was like, it was really pretty easy for us. It's, it, it's, it's just having a teenager around the house. Um, and they're, you know, and Chris can speak to this and some other families. Families who have younger children, the, the kids really take to the younger children. They really bond. Um, and uh, the, the two kids we had, Javier and Marina, uh, they're going to come back. I don't know if they're going to come back with Summer in the USA, but they know they're welcome at our house anytime, and I'm sure we'll see them again. They had a great time, and we had a great time hosting them. So if if you have the slightest tug at your heart, um, you know, do it. All right.
3: Thanks so much, you guys. Fitz, you want to say something? Okay. So,
2: John, good to see you. It's been a while. I've, I've been, up, been up here before talking about this program. It's everything that John just talked about we, you know, our, it was like a son to us. In fact, we were just back sitting, seeing his family this last summer. We've been there twice. He came and stayed with us twice. It's a great, great experience to, 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 to learn about their culture, but more importantly, to be there as an example of the sea of Christ in their lives, because they don't see it there, like you said. And this is not some third world country. <laughs> this is one of the most beautiful places that they live in. In fact, you think you're coming to San Diego now that I've been there now it's like I'm not sure if uh, we're as good as that it's a very very um, wealthy area it's uh, these people again and that's the you know when you don't think you need Jesus because you got everything figured out so um, this is a great opportunity
3: if you have an opportunity to do it fully fully uh, uh, recommend it yeah come talk to us thanks everybody so much yeah I mean there's so much more we could say, but we got to get on with the service. Uh, thank you for, for hearing about this opportunity. I challenge you to, to pray about it and think about it. My wife, Megan, and I will be coordinating the program this summer here in Coronado and with other families and churches throughout San Diego. So we, it's, a, it's a blast. We're going to have a great time. Uh, We do a Hollywood day, we go out on the Patriot boat, we do a surfing day, we do all sorts of cool stuff. So, love to have you guys be a part of it. Any life stage, you could be retired, you could be empty nesters, you could have teenagers, you could have kids, you could be newly married. Really, any life stage presents different advantages uh, for for hosting. And because we're part of a team of families, we lean on each other. So you get to know people throughout the summer. It's really fun. Come talk to us, thanks so much. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it very much. Let's stand and we'll continue to worship the
1: Lord, and I want to let all the teenagers know that the class for the teens is meeting on the patio. Class for teens is out there right now, so go join them. Boys and girls from First Baptist Church, come on down to the front. Everyone else can have a seat, but boys and girls from First Baptist Church. And is Catherine Sergeant and I Sergeant here? Are they here today? Right back here. My wife has something she wants to give to you. So, yeah, keep, come over to the aisle right over on the other side. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we'll confuse you. All right. Boys and girls, come on over here. All right. Look at this good group. Let's give them a hand. All right. They could be anywhere else, but they're here in God's house. How many of you know that there was a story in the Bible about some parents wanting to take their boys and girls to see Jesus? How many know that story? Anybody know You know that story? Okay. All right. So you know that? So here's, here's what happened one day. Here's what happened. Let's see. Can I, can I borrow you just a minute since you know the story? Okay. I'm going to pretend like I'm her daddy, okay? And I'm her daddy. And could you come out over here just a minute? Yeah, would you come out of here? And you're going to be Jesus now, okay? So you're, that's a heavy role, by the way, okay? So um, all right, so I'm starting to come here, and I'm going I'm to bring my, my little girl to see Jesus because I want Jesus to bless her. But guess what happened? Some disciples, who wants to be a disciple? You want to be a disciple? All right, uh, I'm coming over to see Jesus, and I'm going to show my daughter, and he stops me. Put your hand up there. No, not not a high five. No, (laughs) say stop. Stop. Don't bother Jesus. Say that. That's right. Oh, why not? I didn't give you the line, did I? Okay, don't bother Jesus. And so they were thinking that this parent was bothering Jesus. These parents were bothering Jesus, bringing their kids to be blessed by Jesus. And Jesus said, let the little children come. Can you say that? That's right. You know why? Because Jesus wants to bless every one of you, every little girl, every little boy, every big girl, every big boy, every mom, every dad, every grandparent, every aunt, every uncle, every in-law, every outlaw. God wants to bless them all. <laughs> and so you know what it means to bless Jesus? you know what it means? What does it mean? Well, it's just one of the things, yeah, to pray, yeah. It means to make people happy. Now look, hey, boys and girls, me, listen up real closely. Here's a, something important for you to learn. God loves every one of you no matter what you do, but it makes God happier when you love him and obey him. It's like your parents. Your parents love you no matter what, but when you do what they tell you to do, they really, really are happy about that. So Jesus loves you. He wants you to come to him anytime, okay? So let's, let's have a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads together. Everyone got your head bowed? Father, we thank you for these incredible boys and girls and pray your blessings upon them. Father, we ask you to help them to always be able to come to Jesus and help us as adults to lead them there and to encourage them to be at Jesus' feet. And Lord, we know that you'll love them and we know that you'll be happy and we know that you'll make them happy as they serve you in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and go to your classes right over here. God bless you all. That's a great group of people. Here you go, mom. Oh, she's not here. Okay. She was there. All right, so what I'd like to talk about today is we're in a timeline study, a chronological study of the life of Christ, and so far in the study of the life of Christ, we move from, in December, the birth of Christ, this first advent, and about 4 to 5 B.C. to his presentation in the temple, remember that, and the circumcision that came because of that eight days later, and then his flight to Egypt because he, he heard that uh, that the powers to be were going to have, all, Herod was going to have all the babies slain uh, to make sure he got this coming Messiah so that this coming Messiah would not contend for his throne, and then so he went to Egypt, then he came back to Nazareth when God's angel told him to. We also discussed The fact that he reasoned with the priests and the teachers in the temple and was an amazing young man at 12 years of age. The conclusion of last week's message... Was found in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And we talked about that. You remember the, the Greek word that's translated increased? It means literally to knock down or to get out of the way, chop down, chop away, those things that don't need to be there in our lives. And so as he increased, he, he chopped away at things that you and I would have succumbed to and you and I would have given in to. And you'll find out more about that in The Temptation next week as we talk about that. But after his engagement at the, at, with the religious leaders at the temple... We know nothing more about his life until about the summer of 27 to 29 AD, when uh, maybe 18 years later, it was complete silence from the time he was 12 until he came to this uh, position in his point in his life of being baptized by John. From relative obscurity, he literally bursts onto the scene, being baptized publicly by his cousin, John the Baptist. Did you know they were cousins? Huh? Did you know that? So we see, first of all, John. In Luke chapter 1, if you'll turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, when Herod the king of Judea, um, when Herod was the king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zacharias. So this is kind of the backstory leading up to Jesus being baptized. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So these are very special people, have a great heritage in and, uh, and the things of God and the people who are the servants of God. And Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 36, in the King James Version. Now, in some other translations, perhaps in your translation, it doesn't say cousin. Uh, it says Relative. So we were, we're certain of the fact that Mary and Elizabeth were related. Uh, one translation says a cousin, the others say relate, relative. And John was their son and was Jesus' relative also because, uh, and perhaps he was a second, second cousin. So Luke chapter 1, verse 6: Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. It reminds me of, uh, of Abraham and his wife Sarah, uh, who uh, Abraham at 100 years of age, Sarah at 90, uh, conceived and have, had a child. Makes me nervous to think about that. Uh, God, please don't do it again. Uh, not in my life, anyhow, please. Uh, but uh, they were unable, to, and yet with God, all things are possible. As Elizabeth and Zechariah were God fearing, were obedient to him, and they were without child. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, one day Zechariah was serving in the temple, for, the, his, for his order was on duty that week, and was the custom of priests to be chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So he was, he was. Coincidentally chosen to burn the incense in the temple at the very same time that the angel of God, the Lord, was going to appear to him in the temple. And again, I don't believe so much in coincidences as God incidences. And God arranged. It says He was chosen. He was chosen. You know what? It wasn't just the choosing. Uh, of, of whoever the priests were making the, choice. it was God choosing Zachariah through the priest. I love, I love, I love, I love what Terry Miller said yesterday in our men's breakfast, which by the way was incredible. The food was incredible. The word of God and the fellowship even more incredible. But he, he said the worst day of his life was when he got his draft notice in 19, I think it was 1968. But he said it turned into the best day of his life because he became the pastor of a ship. And they had revival on that ship and had a bunch of sailors get saved. And uh, so it prepared him for the ministry that he went into later on. So he, he, he said and shared that uh, it, it wasn't the draft board who had the authority. To, it was God who was working through all of that. And we need to remember that. When things happen, it, we assume it's the immediate authority over us it's, the, our boss. it's our boss, uh, it's our congressman or woman, it's our whatever, but, but it's God working through the powers that be and the powers that are over us. He doesn't allow anything to happen if it's against His perfect will, but, but He does allow things to happen that, uh, I should have said He, he does let, allow things to happen that are against His perfect will. But it has to go through him first. It has to go through him as the one who makes the final okay. So he was chosen by Lot. God controls the Lots, and he was burning incense. And while it was burning... A great crowd waited outside praying, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. This was not a dream, like the other ones were. Okay, that we've studied so far. This was an actual angel standing uh, right next to the to the right of the incense altar. Uh, It was an epiphany, an angelic experience, and Zechariah was shaken. Well, I guess you would be, wouldn't you, if you saw something? Uh, We we have my wife has these uncanny fig leaf plants. We have one room for like a house. It's like 20 feet tall or whatever. And this crazy fig leaf whatever is almost to the ceiling. She had another one that was big on, 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 in the family room that was like eating the TV and the fireplace and the <laughs> chairs. And, and you know I'd go in there and I'd kind of have to sit and lean. And so I finally got her to move it upstairs. Well, I moved it upstairs for her and now it's right outside our bedroom window, and the first night I put it it looked like a man standing there. <laughs> Creeps me out. Uh, but so, it would, so a real angel standing there, I'm, I've never seen an angel other than my wife. I've never seen an angel. Is she here? Did she get that? I want to make sure she heard that. Oh God, I don't, I don't see her. Okay. Uh, but he was overwhelmed with fear, and the angel said, don't be afraid, Zachariah. God has heard your prayer. What prayer is that? Well, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you're to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, and he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God, and he will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. I mean... Folks, we could spend a message on every sentence here easily uh, filled with the spirit and the power of God. He's going to turn people to God. He'll prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So God sent a message to Zechariah as he was faithfully fulfilling his duties. Now here's a point and a note to make. If we're not doing what God has already told us to do, He may not give us any further instructions. Sometimes we're wanting to know, God, what's your will for my life? I've got to make this decision. What is your will? Well, let me ask you this. Are you already doing what you know clearly is His will? Because if you're not, I don't think God's obligated to give you what the next step is if you're not willing to take the step that's right before you. So here he is. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing, and God gave him further instructions. Now, Zachariah, an old man, understood his wife was, was mature, not old, uh, mature, and understood that, and he said, you know, I just don't think that this can really happen. How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is well along here. See how diplomatic he was? I'm an old man. She's well ahead in years, well, well along. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. And then he got an unasked for sign. People are always wanting signs. God, if you would just show me this, I would do it. God, the, the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus said, it, it, you know, let me just go back and tell my brothers that there really is a hell. There really is a place where there's torment and punishment. And, uh, and, and Abraham said, No, they, they have the prophets. They have uh, those prophets who'll be able to tell them. Uh, he wanted to give them a sign. So God gave this Zechariah a sign that he didn't even ask for. Since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So doubting God has consequences. Doubting God has consequences. Um, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. So they knew something would have gone on. And then the prophecy comes true in verse 23, 24. Elizabeth became pregnant, went in seclusion for five months. And, and, and she said, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Now, let me tell you something. I, I, I don't begin to understand what a couple goes through who are not able to have children. I don't begin to understand that. Uh, I, I know that it's a, a, a great amount of grief from people, uh, for people to experience that. And we have several instances in the word of God. There was Hannah, uh, there was Abraham and Sarah, uh, and then here, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Uh, but I know it's real. And I know that you need to trust God. You need to say, to, you know, get all the help you can uh, as long as it doesn't violate, there, there are certain kinds of help that you can get. I think that would violate uh, the, the right to life Type standards uh, uh, getting a bunch of in vitro, in vitro stuff, uh, a lot of times embryos are discarded after they're fertilized, and uh, I think that's something to be aware of and, and not necessarily something that's good, but lots of kids need to be adopted and lots of kids, who knows you might adopt some and then have some of your own. you know <laughs> that happens uh, absolutely does to people in, even in our congregation today, so uh, i don't understand the depth of grief, want to be moms. Must have, but I know that God understands and we need to trust Him always. The angel informs Mary. He, she, he says to Mary, Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. And people used to say she's barren, but now she's with son. So that's the kind of the background uh, and the backstory. So then John's message comes in Mark chapter 1, verse 2. And as the prophet Isaiah has is written, Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. He is the voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. And this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Now notice this. We we people should be baptized to show their repentance and the fact that they've already turned from sin to righteousness. Let it be an emblem uh, of the fact that you have been converted, not in order to be forgiven, but because you're forgiven. So when we baptize a little bit later, there's nothing in that water that's going to make our people who are going to be baptized better there's nothing in it. There's no magic in the water. that doesn't complete their salvation. Their salvation is completed upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The fact that he was buried and that he rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave, and so the water is emblematic. And those who are going to follow the Lord in believers' baptism are saying and showing to all of you who are gathered here and those who are watching online, uh, they're saying, "I have become a Christian. I've put my faith and trust in Christ. I'm absolutely trusting Him." This is an emblem of the fact that I have repented of my sins and been forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and to hear John. He was a really popular guy. It's kind of like. Uh, uh, it's kind of like um, what went on in Ashbury here. You know, people were flocking in there—hundreds, tens of thousands of people, over fifty thousand at one time in a little town of six thousand people. Uh, I can't imagine how that was. Uh, but and then, and then, if you saw Jesus Revolution, if you haven't, what is the matter with you? Get out there and watch it. Uh, but uh, the, the hundreds and hundreds of young people. Uh, down at the ocean in Pirate's Cove, uh, waiting to get baptized. So uh, what an incredible thing. These people flocked to John the Baptist preaching the word of God. And when they confessed their sins, again, the right order, when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan. The word for baptized, I got to tell you again, you hear me say it all the time, the Greek word is baptizo, which means to immerse, to dip, to plunge. Okay? Okay we're not going to sprinkle anybody. We're not going to pour anything on anybody. We're going to put them under. Paul, I'm going to hold you under a while. Yeah. <laughs> so you know why, right? Okay. So uh, just kidding you. Uh, won't hold you under too long. But it's a picture of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So John was Jesus' predecessor. Just as workmen used to in, in these days go ahead of the king, the king's carriage. When he was going somewhere, these workmen would go ahead. They would fill in the potholes. They would uh, level out the path. They would uh, clear out any brush that had, that had fallen onto the roadside. They they would make straight the paths. They, they would go. There was like a road crew that would go before the king and prepare the way. And John is the road crew uh, that went before Jesus, the king, as he was coming on his way. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, that when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees, this is John, when he saw them coming to watch him baptize, I want you to notice how polite and courteous and cautious he was uh, to the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. He said to them, you brood of snakes. <laughs> I'm amazed at how easily people get offended today I'm absolutely amazed at how, I mean, you can, it, it, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to offend somebody somewhere, some way, and, and, and here's John the Baptist. Hey, you bunch of, hey, you Pharisees, you, you Sadducees, you bunch of snakes. Uh, and they still came to hear him, you know. I, I thought about trying that here, but I don't know that that would, I don't know that would work. So he he exclaimed to them, you snakes, you, who, who's warned you to flee from the wrath? Prove by the way you live that you repented of your sins and turned to God. I want to read that again. Prove by the way that you live that you repented and turn, of your sins and turned to God. We ought to daily be proving by the way we live that we have turned from our sins and turned unto God. Not just Sundayly, every day, daily. Letting people, don't just say to each other, we're safe for we're descendants of Abraham. Your family you may have been Christian back to the colonies. I, I, it doesn't matter. Your personal faith has to be real and alive. Your personal repentance has to have occurred. You need to, you can't be saved on the, on the, on the shirt tails of your grandfather's preaching or your dad's preaching or your mom's faith or your grandparents' faith. You've got you've to turn to Him yourself. We're safe. We're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, John said. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the acts of God's judgment is poised. Folks, I think the acts of God's judgment is poised on the United States of America. I think some of the stuff we've been through, I think some of the, the burning in the cities, I think some of the, uh, the, the mass shootings, I think some of the, uh, the, the drug culture, the, uh, the, the hopelessness, the depression, the discouragement, the COVID, I, I think all of that is part, you talk about a conspiracy, Satan has a conspiracy, Satan can't touch the Lord, so he's going after you. He's going after me. And if you want to live for God, you're going to have a big target on your back. I was telling someone about this the other, this last week. Uh, I used to, at the other church I was at, I preached one time about having a target on your back. And I said, if, you, if you're serving God, you've got a target on your back. So one of my creative uh, ladies in the church there made me a T-shirt with a big target bullseye on the back. And I used to jog down. Uh, yes, I used to jog. Uh, I used to jog down in the River Valley. Uh, and, and then over to the uh, ocean and then back again when we lived over in that area. And I would wear this shirt with a target on my back. And about that time, on the freeways, the shootings started occurring. <laughs> and Pat said, for goodness sake, don't wear that sh- shirt out jogging. It's going to be, oh, hey, look at that one. It's a moving target there. I think, think I can get it. Where was I? Uh yeah, I think judgment is, I think that's, and maybe this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe, maybe this is the, like the last breath, the last chance for life for the United States, of America. And folks, if it is, let's seize it. Let's seize it. Let's not let this country go down. Let's not let uh, our Christian faith evaporate any more than it already has. John was a type of Elijah. Wow. Miracle-working Elijah. Salvation is so much more than repeating a prayer. And we, all my ministry, I've had people pray. Some, you've heard me say, pray, you know, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I'm going to die. Lord, I know that, that Jesus loved me and died for me on the cross and rose again. I believe if I confess my mouth and I believe in my heart, my heart God is raised from the dead. I can be saved for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said that all. But you can say that prayer every day, three times a day if you want to for the rest of your life and never go to heaven if you don't mean it in your heart and in your soul. Repentance, not just saying a prayer. It's not like abracadabra. I don't believe that does anything, but I could say it, abracadabra. Abracadabra, the doors are going to open. Abracadabra, The you know, I don't believe it's going to work. Some people pray that prayer just to say it, just kind of like as a fire escape, just in case. Just in case it really makes a difference, I'll pray that prayer. But unless you feel it here and here, and you make that decision to commit and to convert and to repent of your sins, it's ineffectual. Salvation is so much more than repeating a prayer. It is turning from sin and turning to the Savior that's repentance. And if you're the same person that you were when you walked down to the altar and got on your knees, if you get up and go back and you're the same exact person, nothing happened down here. Repentance needs to take place. It's an entire lifestyle change. It affects our actions. It affects our words. It affects our thoughts. It affects our deeds. So are you a new creation, because baptism is only for new creations. That's why I don't baptize babies. Dedicate babies. I don't baptize babies. They haven't made a decision. They're not a new creation yet. They can be fed. They can be warmed. You can have done everything for them, and they can cry anyhow just because they're sinners, because they're spoiled rotten, because grandparents spoil kids. That's what God gave us grandparents for is to spoil us. So when you do truly repent, then baptism is important. Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized of him. And the Greek construction, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm taking the word of those who are. The Greek construction indicates that Jesus came to John for the very purpose of being baptized. He sought him out. He was purposeful. He wasn't just walking by, oh, there's, John, there's somebody preaching. Hey, that's pretty good. I think I'll get baptized. He came for the very purpose. But John initially objects to baptizing Jesus. John said, I have have need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? John goes a little bit further, and he sets up contrasts in the pronouns of I and you. These are emphatic pronouns. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. Pronouns are important. Can you believe we live in an age of pronoun confusion? Try explaining that to your grandparents. He wants to be called a she. Some violent criminal up in L.A. just just recently um, who who transitioned and, and, and then the prosecutor referred to him as him because in his former life he was a him. And the prosecutor got five days suspended pay and suspended duty for referring to the criminal who violently attacked a little young girl, not as a her, but as a him. He, he attacked her, and that's all I'll say about that. And the prosecutor was reprimanded for it. And he, him, she, it is in jail bragging about what it did. Uh, That was not here. Okay, John is indicating that I'm inferior to you, Jesus. I need to be baptized by you. He displays his humility. And yet Jesus insists. Jesus said to him, allow it to be so literally. Let's get on with the baptism. For it is up to us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And I want you to notice something. You You who got baptized when you were younger or you got sprinkled or whatever it was you got before you got saved, And by the way, I did. I I, I got my bases covered. I was sprinkled too. I I went through catechism and a Methodist church in Creed, Illinois. So I got it covered. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. I got it all covered. But Jesus, I got to remind you, was an adult when he got baptized. So there's no shame in being an adult and getting baptized. Getting baptized is the right thing to do once we made our profession of faith in Christ. And so he said, Jesus said, I want to fulfill all righteousness. I want to do what's important and what's necessary. And John, sought, John uh, Jesus sought John on purpose, and, and Jesus became our example by being baptized. Now, why would Jesus need to be baptized? He's not a sinner. We all agree with that. There was no repentance necessary. We all know that. One commentator says, Jesus might well have been up there in front standing with John and calling sinners to repentance. That's, that's where he belonged, right alongside of John, calling people, you brood of snakes, come and get converted. Come and get saved. That's what Jesus could have been doing. But instead, he was down there with the sinners, affirming his solidarity with them, even though he was not a sinner himself. I've got to make sure I underscore that. But he was there with it. He, he fellowshiped. He ate with sinners, with, with those who were not the, the, the ones who professed to be piety and, 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 and perfect in all ways. He, he affirmed his solidarity with sinners, making himself one with them in the process of the salvation that he would in due time accomplish. Well, that's in fulfillment of Scripture because Isaiah said he would be numbered with the transgressors. And. When Jesus was crucified, he was crucified between two revolutionaries. The father affirms his son in this whole adventure because what he does then, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. They came up out of the water. They were in the water. They came up out of the water. He wasn't sprinkling, it He came up out of the water. And, and, he, and he went up straightway out of the water. And lo and behold, the heavens were opened unto him, and John saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And there you have, theologically presented to you, the Trinity. The Son being baptized, the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove, and the voice from the Heavenly Father saying, This is my beloved Son. So in Illinois, where I grew up, I was born in Kentucky, grew up in Illinois, educated in Missouri, keep going west, here I am. We used to hunt pheasants, we used to hunt quails, used to hunt rabbits. Hmm, wasn't much else to hunt back there at that point in time where we were. I came out to California and people hunt doves. And I'm like, that's the type of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what do you... What are you doing? (laughs) But it was fun. I I did it anyhow. Okay. Uh, But we have the Trinity here revealed. And, And John's gospel then adds a little bit more to what happened. He said, then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, John, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? Who do you think you are? John not only revealed who he was, but he also revealed There was one who was greater than all of them among them at that point in time. And the revelation of the one took place the next day when John saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me is far greater than I am, for he existed before me. Now, wait a minute. Elizabeth was pregnant, supernaturally Because of her old age, Zechariah was dead. Then you have Mary becoming pregnant six months later, supernaturally, without the agency of a human father. And yet, John, who was born before Jesus was born, says he existed before I. You know what he's saying? Jesus is the everlasting Son of Almighty God. He didn't just become God. He didn't just become the Son of God. He has always been the Son of God. He existed before I did. And John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. I testify that he was chosen, the chosen one of God. And let me just close with this idea. This is another proof by way of empirical evidence that Jesus is God. Because empirical evidence, John said, I handled him. He baptized him. John said, I saw him and saw the Holy Spirit descending. John said, I heard the voice of the Father crying out, saying, this is my beloved Son whom I'm well pleased. And therefore, John testifies of him. empirical evidence. This wasn't some story he heard from somebody. It wasn't hearsay. This was admissible in a court of law. Had it been challenged in a court of law, John would have said, I touched him. I heard him. I saw him. I testify of him because of who he is. Following the baptism, following the baptism, not before the baptism, Following the baptism, the first testimony of John, the first disciples were chosen, the first miracle was performed, the first appearance of Jesus at Capernaum, the first Passover during his public ministry. He had been there when he was a 12-year-old boy, not yet in his public ministry, but the first one in his public and the first extended discourse. All of these things would follow, and we'll see them in the weeks to come. But before these first, there was, first of all, baptism. But what comes before baptism? salvation. So would you bow your heads right where you're seated? Because this is a a holy moment right now. This is is an important time. Please don't don't be talking to anybody yet. Just, Just think about this question. Have you repented of your sin? Have you been born again? Are you a new creature in Christ? Have you trusted him for everlasting life? If you haven't, you can right now. Again, it's not the words that you say that's some kind of a magic formula that kicks in if you say the words just right. What it is, it's a a needy sinner, a needy, sinful soul that needs cleansing that only the shed blood of Christ can provide. And when we come to the end of ourselves and we're ready to come to Christ, we need to pray. Something like the prayer, I'm going to pray, but it's not exact, of course. It doesn't have to be exact, but your attitude of heart needs to be this. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. All of sin come short of the glory of God. I know I'm going to die one day. I don't want it to be right away, but I know I will one day, so wages of sin is death because I'm a sinner I'm going to die one day but I believe Father that Jesus is your only begotten son and I believe the gift that he offers us is everlasting life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and today I put my faith completely in him Lord I trust you I want to repent I want to change directions in my life I want to be a new creature in Christ Father, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer, or if you're going to pray that prayer right now, with every head bowed, I won't embarrass you. Just slip your hand up. Hold it up for a moment. Preacher, I'm praying that prayer. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you and you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Are there others besides these? Are there others? It's the most important decision you'll ever make, my friend. It'll determine eternity. I don't know where this young man was with the Lord. I hope, I pray that he was a Christian. You know what? You know Christians can get depressed? You know Christians can be discouraged? You know that? Christ is the encourager. Let not your heart be, be afraid, but trust in me. That's what he wants us to do. Anyone else? Preacher, I'm trusting in Christ right now. I want to put my faith and trust in him right now. Anyone else before I pray? Thank you. God bless you. Our Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the blessings that you give to us that are innumerable. We want to thank you for the blessings and the things that you give us and that you do for us. But like... We pray every once in a while, we want to thank you for the things that haven't happened to us too. The times when you saved us from situations, the time when you bailed us out of bad things, Lord, the times when you prevented us from doing things that we otherwise would have been so sorry for. Thank you, Lord, for the way you work in our life and the fact that you're real. And God bless these who've just put their faith and trust in you. God bless these who are about to follow you in believer's baptism, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, those of you that prayed this prayer, and there were several hands that went up, on the table by the sound booth, on the table by the sound booth, there's some blue plastic bags. I want you to pick up one of those and take it with you. Don't just be satisfied having made that decision, but now figure out what's your next step. What do you need to do next? And if I can help you anyway, I'd be glad to. I'm going to ask those who are going to be baptized to come ahead right back over here. And while they're doing that, let me make some announcements that are important about what's coming up. Military meal will be right after this. For all those that are in the active um, military, uh, you're invited to the patio and you will have a meal together and some fellowship together. Ladies retreat, ladies will be coming home. They're probably on their way right about now. Uh, so pray for them to have safety as they travel. Next Sunday, we're going to be uh, preaching one of the most profound biblical truths, I think, in in the entire Word of God, Uh, the temptation of Christ uh, in the wilderness, an amazing, amazing thing, and so I hope you'll be here for that. And by the way, uh, it's not without irony that we're going to talk about temptation of Christ, and it's on Time Change Sunday. Because the devil's going to say it won't hurt to miss this one week. It just won't hurt at all. Why don't you just sleep in a little bit? It's really only six o'clock. It's not seven o'clock. Uh, so time change. Do what I do. I got I I got all these clock. I've got a bunch of clocks and a bunch of watches. And I go around. and I spend like an hour and a half setting them all forward. It's easier to go forward than it is to go backward on, on some of the mechanical clocks. But, um, but set them a, a, the night before and then go go to bed at a decent time and get up at a decent time. But come find out about the temptation of Christ, what he did for us, what he endured for us. Un, unbelievable, uh, except it's the son of God so he can do it. Potluck on the 26th. You remember the potlucks we used to have before COVID? Remember that? Chuck, you remember those? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to start them up, the Lord willing, again. Annabelle's heading that up. If you want to help out, she could sure use some help. Uh, she's not here right now. She's at the Ladies' Conference coming back. But uh, be sure to uh, plan. We'll, we'll tell you more about it. And just bring a, a main dish or a dessert or a salad or something for the 26th, and we'll have a good time fellowship together. On Easter Sunday, we're going to have two services. We're going to have one uh, at 830. And I would appreciate it if some of you could come and go to the church service at 8.30 and be willing to work and help out uh, with the kids in the uh, 10.30 service. So we have 8.30 and 10.15, I should say. I take that back to 10.30, 10.15. And there'll also be overflow area uh, on the patio. There won't be a teen class that week. They'll meet in with us. But the kids will go right to their classes when you come to church. So they won't be in the auditorium. They'll go right to their class just for Easter Sunday only. Um, We're also going to be starting very soon, we'll tell you more about it, a men of resolution ministry, which is an opportunity for discipleship, getting deeper in our walk with the Lord. Uh, And it's a small group thing like the women of of, uh, resolutions ministry is. So if you're interested in that, uh, that'll be coming up. We'll tell you how to commit to that and so on. Speaking of which, commitment. Commitment cards, Uh, If if you signed up for something, if no one has gotten a hold of you yet, please don't let it slide. Uh, We do value you. We want you there. Maybe we tried to get a hold of you and haven't been able to. Uh, If you are, especially if you're interested in helping out with the kids ministry, get a packet from Julie, our secretary, and stop at the main office and ask for that, and she'll get you started in getting ready uh, for that. So we're going to have a song right now, and then we're going to baptize the Lord willing. buddy. This is Paul. Paul Lull is following his Lord and believers baptism. Had a rather traumatic event happen. Yes, that's right there. Uh, A few weeks ago and God spared his life. It was a very, very dangerous situation potentially. And we're so thankful that he did because uh, Paul said what he wants to do, what he wanted to do, one of the first things was to follow his Lord and believers baptism. And Paul, if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. All right. He did that quite a few years ago, actually, right? Yes. All right. Because of that profession of faith, then it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and raised again the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Here we go. Take a breath. Amen. All right. Come on out right here. Now I know we can baptize a six-foot something guy. I was wondering about if we're going to have to get an extension on this or what. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Paul. God bless you. Oh, no problem. No problem. The carpet's used to it. All right. And this is Catherine. We have actually a mother and daughter. Team here, and this is Catherine. Have it stand, sit, stand right there. There you go. And then turn around, be seated. There you go. Catherine, we're so glad that you and Ava have come today and, and having a desire to follow the Lord and believers' baptism, taking that next step. Uh, Catherine, have you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior? Yes. All right. I'm so pleased for that. And because of that, I get to baptize you, my sister in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bearing the likeness of his death and raised again in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Amen. God bless you. All right. There you go. It's warm. And this is Ava, and I didn't know when I chose her this morning that she was going to be the one I was going to baptize. So that was kind of cool. And Ava, have you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior and to forgive you of your sin? You know what? I get to baptize then you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us when he died and was buried and rose again. Take a little breath. God bless you, amen, all right, There you go, there you go, and you, yes, you can follow your Lord and Believer's baptism, just let me know when you want to do it, and I'll be glad to work it out, so let's stand, we're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer, what a great crowd, I don't know if those 24 ladies had been here this morning, if there'd be room for them, I don't know, (laughs) but we'll try, we'll work it out. Be praying about coming up uh, Easter services. Also be praying for the family who've gone through situation this morning. Father, bless us. Dismiss us with your love. Go with us today. Keep us safe. Keep us trusting you. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you so much for being in God's house.